This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Two guests on the show today, Ryan Fowler from Bleacher Report coming up in 30 minutes. Ryan does a lot of work on the NFL draft and recently suggested that you-know-who might be the quarterback that Washington chases in the offseason. Yeah, Ryan thinks a return to D.C. for Kurt might make sense for new GM Adam Peters. Uh, Ryan at eleven at 10.35, uh, coming up in roughly 30 minutes. Also on the show today, our friend Bobby Trossett from the Ravens Vault podcast will jump on at 11.35 to talk about Baltimore's AFC title game matchup Sunday against the Chiefs. Sunday, by the way, at M&T Bank Stadium. Uh, might be rainy for the game, but not particularly cold temperatures in the 40s for the game right now. Uh, that has the Ravens up to, in several spots now, Denton, four-point favorites. Uh, lots of minus three-and-a-halves out there uh, if you're looking for uh, the Ravens at that number. But if you like KC, you can find some plus fours out there. Uh, I saw something li- late last night. The look-ahead lines for the Super Bowl matchups. Uh, the four potential Super Bowl matchups, there are look-ahead-lines, uh, point spreads, which would indicate you know, what the point spread would be in a certain matchup. The Ravens would be five-point favorites over Detroit. The game against the 49ers, if it's a rematch, Ravens-Niners from the regular season, Denton, what do you think the look-ahead line is for that game, given what Baltimore did to San Francisco in Santa Clara? they got to be at least Ravens six and a half. It's Pickham. What? Yeah, Pickham. Uh, the Chiefs would be. I was surprised by that too. Look, I was surprised that the Ravens would only be five point favorites over the Lions. I would have guessed that they would have been a touchdown over the Lions and at least a three to four point favorite over the 49ers. Uh, the game that would feature the Chiefs and the Lions would be the Chiefs going off as three point favorites. And they would be two and a half point underdogs to the 49ers. Now, 
this is, you know, subject to change. Anything can happen on Sunday, including injuries that would change these numbers um, radically. But uh, that's what it looks like right now. Um, speaking of injuries, Debo Samuel did not break his shoulder. Uh, that was disclosed yesterday by the team, but his availability is in doubt. And if you don't know this about the Niners' season this year, in games in which Debo San- Samuel played and was available for the entire game, they were 12-1. and In games in which he wasn't available or barely available, meaning he got injured early in the game, like the game at Cleveland, uh, or in the season finale where he barely played, you know, I think they played a series or two against the Rams in a meaningless game, 0-4 without Debo Samuel, the 49ers were this year. Uh, That is a massive injury to keep track of the rest of the week. San Francisco, a seven-point favorite almost everywhere now. Uh, I could not find, I was looking before the show, I could not find a a six-and-a-half out there anywhere. Um, Nice weather in Santa Clara for the NFC title game forecasted. Um, A game that Washington hasn't played in since, as we all know, since the 1991 Skins beat the Lions 41 to 10 on their way to their third Super Bowl victory in 10 years. That was also a game in which it was the last appearance for the Lions in a title game until this year. And as we said earlier in the week, Washington now with the longest drought um, in participating uh, in an NFC championship game. By the way, I went back and looked at this because. I was just interested. I remember Washington was such a juggernaut in 1991, um, and they just destroyed so many teams on their way to a 14-2 and mark. They lost that one game to Dallas at home and then kind of a meaningless season finale at Philadelphia. Uh, they rolled over Atlanta. Uh, the playoff uh, environment was not – Um, riddled with 49ers, Bears, Giants, Cowboys, that kind of field. Washington ended up playing Atlanta and Detroit, um, if you recall. Now, Detroit had beaten Dallas, but that was Jimmy's first playoff team in the divisional round. Atlanta had knocked off New Orleans in a wild card game. Uh, That was the Bobby A. Bear um, led New Orleans Saints. Uh, But Washington in the 91 NFC title game, They were a 14-point favorite over the Lions. I went back and looked it up because I was wondering if that's the largest point spread in NFC title game history. It isn't, but it is tied for the largest point spread. So it is, but it's tied with another team. Washington went off in January of 1992 in the NFC title game as 14-point favorites over the Lions, and then the 99 greatest show on turf, Rams, they too were 14-point favorites over the Buccaneers in that season's championship game. Since the merger, those are the two largest point spreads in the history of the NFC title game, or since the merger. Washington covered easily, winning 41-10. to The Rams as 14-point favorites that year, if you recall, barely held on for an 11-6 win over Tampa Bay. Uh, the 91 skins, most of you know this, but some of you don't. The 91 skins are, per the DVOA metric, all right, the Football Outsiders met metric, the Aaron Schatz metric, 
Um, they are the number two all-time regular season team per that particular metric. The 2007 Patriots were number one, but Washington's the number one all-time Super Bowl winner per DVOA because the 07 Pats lost to the Giants in their Super Bowl. But this year, the Ravens, this 2023 version of the Baltimore Ravens, at one point, they were trending towards Washington's number two spot all time per DVOA. You know, with about three games left, they were just barely behind Washington, um, but still solidly behind the 2007 Patriots. They fell off a little bit, but still the Ravens ended the regular season as having the sixth best all-time season per DVOA. By the way, the 49ers season this year is the ninth best all-time season per DVOA. Uh, that's why we have had this sense in watching these two teams that they you know, are on a collision course for another meeting uh, in the Super Bowl. But it does make the uh, matchups interesting. San Francisco a seven-point favorite over the Lions. The Lions team that Washington faced in 91 was nowhere near as good as this Lions team. They were Barry Sanders. They were Mouse Davis in the run-and-shoot. Um, and they were, you know, they were a good team. They had beaten a very young Cowboy team in their first big-time playoff game, although the Cowboys had actually won a wild-card game the week before they faced Detroit, uh, had won at Soldier Field, actually, and beaten the Bears um, in that particular postseason. Um, but Washington was just considered to be a massive, massive favorite over anybody um, they really played. And the following week, you know, in Super Bowl 26, which in two days it'll be the, you know, it'll be the 32-year uh, anniversary of the game. The game was January uh, 26, 1992. Um, the next game, Washington against Buffalo. Washington was a solid seven-point favorite against a Bills team that was outstanding that year. Uh, the Bills in 91 – you know, we're coming off that Super Bowl loss wide right to the Giants the year before uh, in Tampa. Um, and they had gone 13-3 and during the regular season. They were considered right there with Washington as the most explosive offensive team in the league. They had Bruce Smith. They had, uh, a, you know, very good players defensively as well. But Washington went off as a seven-point favorite and destroyed Buffalo. By the way, um, the Washington Redskins – had there been a smell test, Denton, for the 1991 season, um, or I'm sorry, for Super Bowl 26 uh, against Buffalo, Washington would have been the play. I remember many, many people, many of the experts picking Buffalo to win the game outright and were absolutely amazed that the books had made Washington a full touchdown favorite over Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo was an explosive, off, awesome offensive football team that particular year. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of f thought that Buffalo, after losing in such dramatic fashion and disappointing fashion against the Giants the year before, would win this Super Bowl. And Washington went off as a seven-point favorite. I was at that Super Bowl in Minneapolis, and I remember watching Mike and the Mad Dog from WFAN in New York do their radio show 
from the hotel that we were staying in in downtown Minneapolis. They were doing it in the lobby of that hotel. I, I don't know. I wasn't in media at that time. I don't know whether or not there was a radio row, which in future years there there was for you know sports talk radio shows. Sports talk radio was very much in its infancy, and WFAN was one of the only places in the country that had it 24 Seven. Um, Washington had just launched, or was just about to launch, WTEM, this station, 980, which was the first 24-7 sports talk station in the market. But I was watching um, that show, and they had John Madden as a guest on the show. And so there was a massive crowd around Mike and the Mad Dog doing their show with Madden, who was going to be on the call with Summerall for CBS for Super Bowl 26. And, you know, the, Mike and the Mad Dog were talking about how could Washington be a seven-point favorite, Buffalo, and everybody, all the experts w- loved Buffalo. And Madden just said, I'll never forget it. He said, I've been watching both teams practice. I've done a lot of Washington games this year. He said, I don't think we're going to see a very close Super Bowl. I think the Redskins are the much better team. And he was right. And Washington won that Super Bowl by 13. The score, as most of you know and remember, very misleading. Washington led uh, in that game 24 to nothing, 17 nothing at halftime, 24 point lead at one point, 31 to uh, 37 to 10, um, entering the uh, fourth quarter. And then the Bills got two late touchdowns to make the score more respectable. But anyway, Washington Detroit uh, was. The highest tied for, the highest, largest point spread in NFC Championship game history uh, since the merger. Um, I didn't go back before the merger because they didn't have that available uh, at Pro Football Reference. But uh, we don't see a big point spread in the NFC title game or AFC title game this week. A touchdown for the 49ers and the Ravens are four-point favorites. Man, right now, I I just really like both favorites. I liked Baltimore and San Francisco last Saturday, and I got one of them pretty easily. The other one, not you know, was was lucky that it even won, uh, that the 49ers even won the game. I like right now Denton. I like both favorites. I like Baltimore to win big, and I like San Francisco to win big. Now Debo being out it would affect that. Um, but I like both favorites right now on Wednesday, and we're, we we are subject to to change um, before Friday's show, or you know. But but right now, what do you? What's your gut? I mean, have you have you placed a wager on the game yet? I have not yet. I'm still waiting on the NFC for the status of Debo because that number might come down a little bit. What is yeah. the number that you were working off of with the AFC? I know it's different at a couple of books. Uh, I see I see a lot of three and a halves and a lot of fours. If I can get it at four, I would take Kansas City. Um, yeah. You know, Mahomes is only – he lost that one Super Bowl where they he just got bludgeoned and he was doing everything he could. But in the playoffs, he's, he's only lost in overtime. So, like, he doesn't really get blown out. So, if I get it at four, I would lean the Chiefs at four. Um, so, that that's the, that's the early lean. But, man, Baltimore's defense is so good. And no one's talking about it because Lamar's been so good. I – I just think that the 49ers and the Ravens all season long have been head and shoulders above everybody else. And the 49ers nearly losing that game to Green Bay is an eye-opener. They lost Debo early in that game, and that may have been a major factor. 
Uh, and I do like, I think, more than even the sides. I like both unders. Um, the Baltimore-Kansas City game is right around 44, 44 and a half. Uh, and the Detroit-San Francisco game sitting there right around 51. I like both unders. I think what you typically see in these standalone games, you see it a lot during the regular season for Monday night games or Sunday night games or Thursday night games. You get the public playing the over a lot. So I do like both unders. I'm looking last week. Last week, Houston-Baltimore under, Green Bay-San Francisco under, uh, and then the other two games went over. So the, the, you had two overs and two unders in the divisional round games. Uh, and you had two favorites and two dogs uh, cover. Did you uh, see Green Bay, who's refing? Kansas City's dogs. I'm sorry? Did you see who's refing the AFC Championship game in that story? I did not. So Sean Smith is refing the AFC Championship game. In the last three years, home teams are 17-29-3 against the spread, and they've only won 40.8% of games that he's wrapped. He loves... Wait, wait, say that one more time. So Sean Smith, who's going to be the head official uh, for the I know, I know who Sean Smith game. is. Home teams over the last three seasons, when he's officiated, are 17-29-3 against the spread. They're only winning 40% of the games. He loves, loves a road team. <laughs> Why are they letting him do this game, then? Because Taylor Swift is dating a guy on the road team. Okay. No, I'm being serious. Uh, with that kind of disparity, <laughs> with that kind of Rome home, uh, a road home disparity, I'm very surprised that he's doing the game. I, I am. I am too. It feels uh, like when the NBA would put Scott Foster on Game Seven, right. it's like, guys, what do you, what do we, what are we doing here? Because you know they're aware of this. Like they, they can't play, they can't play dumb here. They're a money printing machine, and they understand how gambling works. So they know yeah, this. Is I mean, I'd thing. like to know what his playoff home home road split is. But the bottom line is, you the number that you just brought up, and I had not seen that. Uh, the fact that you saw it, and I'm assuming now, and I'm I'm putting it in, and I'm I'm seeing the the stories pop up, yeah. just to avoid any any hint of of controversy associated with the uh, referee crew. Sean Smith should not be calling, should not be doing this game. Now it is a mixed crew. In the postseason, he does not get his regular season crew. I'm pretty sure I'm right about that, right? They put all star crews together. Yes, they do. Um, but that's just inviting what you just brought up, and that that's stupid. Uh, do you have his postseason? Uh, so the article that I saw was from Warren Sharp. It does not include that. There are some penalty numbers if you're interested in that, but outside of that, it doesn't give any. Yeah, give me the penalty. Because, by the way, you're, you're talking about an ATS number. You're talking about against the spread. Yeah. So home teams are 17-29-3 against the number. What about just the outright uh, road winners versus home winners? Uh, they're 40% um, is the number there. So I don't, I don't have the official 40% which way? 40%, 40% of the home, t- home team wins. Wow. Yeah. And like penalties just just this year. So not the, the first number was a three-year span. Just this year, uh, Smith has called 924 yards in penalties on home teams compared to just 709 uh, penalty yards on road teams. That's that's um, I'm surprised that the NFL did that, and and again I I mean who the hell knows what'll happen? I don't think Sean Smith is intentionally necessarily um, favoring the road teams, although the numbers would suggest it. It's just 
it's it's bad optics for the NFL going into their most important weekend. It doesn't make any sense to me why they would do that. Um, uh, I'm surprised at that. By the way, speaking of that, it, for the NFL, it just doesn't matter, right? Did you see the Chiefs-Bills TV number? Huge. I mean, you knew that that was going to be the game, the most watched game of the weekend. Over 50 million people watched Chiefs-Bills on Sunday night. It is the most watched divisional round NFL playoff game in history. Uh, They just can't do anything to turn people off from the game. It just doesn't matter what happens. Now, you know, they had the benefit of an incredible matchup. They had the benefit of certainly the Taylor Swift effect. They had the benefit of brutally cold weather pretty much nationwide, you know, all week and all weekend long. Um, but, you know, that number, 50 million, all right, you only get somewhere around 9 to 10 million to watch a game six of an NBA Finals. The World Series, I bet you that number is every bit of five to six times the average World Series number. And don't even get me started on something like Stanley Cup, which is completely you know, off the board when it comes to things like this. 50 million plus people watch that game. Um, I would bet, I, I would tell you that if this game were in the primetime slot, you know, they switch every year. The NFC Championship and the AFC Championship games switch time slots every year. It's not about trying to put the best matchup in the primetime, you know, window, the 6.30 start time. Fox and CBS get the benefit, you know, year in and year out of either having the early game or the late game, but it switches each year. This is the year for Fox to have the NFC Championship game with the 6.30 start. If Baltimore, Kansas City was the 6:30 start, I mean, we might see, you know, we they won't it wouldn't be Super Bowl numbers, but it would it would be the most watched championship game of all time. I don't think San Francisco Detroit quite has that um luster. Now, Chiefs Bills at three o'clock is still gonna do a massive number, don't get me wrong. Um, but wow, the NFL, something else. Uh, when we come back, uh, I want to share with you something that I read early this morning. Uh, it is Wizards related, but please don't turn the dial because this is more about Martian Gortat and some stories that he told about when he played for the Wizards. He's a really interesting interview, always was, uh, and I will share some of that with you when we come back. Uh, and then we will get to Ryan Fowler who suggested earlier this week that you-know-who, one Kurt Cousins, might be who Adam Peters desires in this offseason. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980, theteam980.com. We're free and live on the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, all right, all right. What do you got? All right, before I get to my what do you got for the day, Maryland drivers, did you know a vehicle is stolen every 49 minutes in the state of Maryland? The key to preventing theft is in your hands. Lock your car, take your key, use an anti-theft device. Learn more about vehicle theft prevention at mdautotheft.org. So I was reading this thing um, that hoopshype.com uh, put out. It was an interview with Martian Gortat. Remember Martian Gortat of the Wizards teams that actually were pretty decent? Uh, they were pretty decent. Uh, you know, they had that run with Nene and Gortat and Ariza and a young Bradley Beal and a young John Wall. And, you know, we had some changes to a few spots over the years, but. Um, you know, multiple opportunities for sure. Uh, one big opportunity against Atlanta to get to the Eastern Conference Finals when John broke his hand. Uh, and then with Scott Brooks came another opportunity with a Game 7 uh, at uh, Boston. Um, but anyway, uh, Gortat did this interview, and I was reading it because I remember Gortat. I had him on the show, I don't know, two or three times when he was playing here. And he was always engaging, personality, sense of humor, smart. Um, and I thought there were some interesting nuggets in here about his time in D.C. Uh, so he was asked about, uh, in his opinion, what went wrong during the time in D.C. And he said, well, as crazy as it sounds, I will say that we probably should have kept Randy Whitman as a coach. Well, he had me hooked right then and there. I've been saying for years Randy Whitman was a gr- really, really good NBA coach X's and O's wise if you know everybody wanted him out and all the you know Wizards fans were like we can do better than Randy Whitman no coach in town that watched Randy Whitman felt that way but anyway Gortat said yeah I know what I'm saying seems crazy but we should have done that why because he was the only coach that was able to control John as in John Wall They were bumping heads, and I was bumping heads with Randy. Randy was a hell of a good coach, and he knew what he was doing. He was able to control John. He was able to control Bradley, and he was bringing the right people on board from a player standpoint. And we were missing. We were missing that one, maybe one or two good role players for us to make a bigger run. And then also we needed some luck. John broke his hand in the second or third game against Atlanta, and that, you know, ended that series. You know, our main guy broke 
his hand. The guy couldn't dribble the ball. He said his hand was a giant potato. He wasn't able to grab anything in his hand. He played a game with one hand, so we needed some luck. Randy should have stayed as a coach, and we could have had one or two better signings to the organization. Overall, we all should have done better, but we had an we had an incredible team. I don't know if it was incredible. Back in the day when you sat in the plane when we were flying to another city, we didn't care we were flying because we knew what we were bringing. We were bringing a freaking storm when we showed up. We had so many weapons. We had so many levels. John, Beal, me on the pick and roll. Nene inside. Oh, my God, we were a hell of a team. And, I mean, we were unbelievable. That year we had Otto Porter coming off the bench, Ariza starting, Andre Miller was coming off the bench. We had a squad. However, right now we only have memories. Like I said, we should have kept Randy Whitman. Well, certainly that is some revisionist history. I don't know if they were any kind of freaking storm. Um, And they weren't a hell of a team, but they were a good team. And they were a well-coached, disciplined, tough team those few years. You know, when they destroyed Chicago in five games in a playoff series, absolutely destroyed a favored Toronto, sweeping them in four games. Um, They had chances with that group, uh, but... Uh, they decided um, that they would move on to different players and a different coach altogether. Um, and then he was asked about Doc Rivers. He played for Doc Rivers briefly in the league. For those of you that didn't uh, pay attention to any sort of NBA news yesterday, I'm here to help you out. Adrian Griffin, the Milwaukee Bucks head coach, in his first year as a head coach, was 30-13 and with the second-best record in the East and got fired yesterday. Now, apparently, Damian Lillard wasn't really adapting well to the Adrian Griffin system. Uh, and you know, you would have to think, well, not, you wouldn't have to think you, you have to know that Giannis was of course supportive of this at 30 and 13. There's no way a coach gets fired unless your franchise player is supportive of the move. Well, there were reports last night. I was watching the Lakers Clippers game and they, they broke the news on TNT that CNN was reporting that doc rivers was going to be the coach in Milwaukee. You're, you told me during the break, Denton, that that isn't necessarily finalized? No, that, that has not been finalized at all. They got duped. So, but but there were a lot of there were a lot of discussions when, when Griffin got fired yesterday that Rivers was going to be the guy. Yeah, he's been contacted by Milwaukee. That was reported by Woj a couple hours before NBA on TNT ran with the report that he'd been hired. But there's been no credible reporting that Doc Rivers has been given the job. So, Doc Rivers, as a commentator, as a leader, as you know, uh, an advocate, I, I think there are there are a lot of redeeming traits for Doc Rivers as a head coach. But I have never, and I've talked about this for years, never been blown away by his exes and O's acumen at all. Um, And this is what Martian Gortat said about the experience playing under Doc Rivers. He said, I didn't have the best time with Doc Rivers, unfortunately. He's a good dude and great to talk to with incredible stories and a rich history in the NBA. However, I wouldn't trust his coaching decisions. I just don't have confidence in them. Uh, I I just don't trust him in many different areas. I've been with some of the greatest coaches in the NBA. One of the best ever was Stan Van Gundy. I thought Van Gundy was a great coach. He was obviously not easy 
Um, and Randy Whitman at times probably wasn't easy. Uh, but Gortat said, Stan's an incredible coach who prepares you for every game practice. And he goes on and on about Stan. Then he says, Randy, Randy Whitman was a great coach. I, I played for Alvin Gentry. He was excellent. Uh, but I don't trust Doc Rivers. I couldn't trust him. That's it. Um, Martian Gortat. Uh, talking about some of his Wizards memories and talking about Doc Rivers, if Doc Rivers were to become the new head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. I'll tell you what, Gortat could set a blanking screen. He could roll off that screen. He had great hands, catching and finishing. The pick and roll with him and Wall, and him and Beal to a lesser extent, but him and Wall, they didn't have the best off-court chemistry, I don't think, but on court, they were pretty tough to stop there for a few years. That's about as good as it's gotten in a long time with our professional NBA team. Uh, maybe times will change, but we're going to have to wait for those. That's still on my, you know, near the top of my list of my desires for the teams in this area. I would love for the Wizards to become a legitimate, sustained contender at some point. Hasn't happened in 40-something years. All right, up next, Ryan Fowler with us. We'll talk NFL draft, and we'll ask him about his discussion about potentially Adam Peters chasing you-know-who, you-know-who being Kirk Cousins. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team 980.com. Caps in action last night. They lose 5-3 to the Minnesota Wild. They got down within the first couple minutes, 0-2, in like the first couple shots of the game. Anthony Mantha did score twice for the Caps. Wizards in action tonight. They hosted Timberwolves just a few days after Carl Anthony Towns went for 62. That's going to tip off at 7. Terps on the road against Iowa. Pre-game at 6.30, tip at 7. You can hear it right here on the Team 980. And that's what's trending. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. So reading from Ryan Fowler uh, just a few days ago, top scheme fits for Russell Wilson and quarterbacks potentially in the 2024 NFL offseason carousel. Uh, He goes through the Kirk Cousins fits, and one of those fits was Washington. Uh, Ryan joins us right now, courtesy of our BetQL guest, 
hotline. Ryan wrote for uh, and worked for the Commanders for a while. He's now with Bleacher Report. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler underscore. Um, he does a lot of good work covering the league and the draft. But, you know, we refer to uh, to Cousins as you-know-who because just the mention of his name, Ryan, around here uh, gets people into a lather. But you did write that there's a lot that makes sense with Adam Peters being the GM if they ended up going in that direction. Explain. Yeah, first things first, Kevin, appreciate you having me on. Um, look, I know some no, it's people good are going to hear that name. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you hear the name Kirk Cousins, and people are going to say, okay, I mean, I don't really want him back. I want to start with a fresh face. Maybe it's a Caleb Williams, Drake Mayer, Jane Daniels, right? But when you start to parallel Adam Peters and the process of a guy like Brock Purdy and who I think is going to be the head coach of the commanders, if, unless anything changes, and that is Ben Johnson coming in from the Detroit Lions. The offense that he runs where he wants to build on the run and play action, and what Kirk did in Washington well and did in Minnesota well working with Kevin O'Connell these last few years, it does match up. Now, the money is obviously something that, you, that has to be discussed. Now, Washington has a ton of cap. That's a, that's a number that it remains fluid. But just if you want a veteran in a place to work with a young offensive-minded head coach in Ben Johnson with the weapons that are there, and I'm sure Terry McLaurin, John Dawson, if they bring back Curtis Sam, we'll be very happy to see Kirk there. It's just an option there. And I just think Kirk is an underappreciated quarterback in this league, Kevin. I think people want these hero ball type of players, the Lamars, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you don't need – one of those guys, if you have the necessary correlating pieces around him to be successful. Yeah, and I want everybody out there to know, I'm not just bringing it up because I'm a massive Kirk Cousins fan, as most of my listeners know and have been forever. It's because there is the possibility that Adam Peters and the collaboration that he'll have with his staff and the new coach and his you know offensive staff, perhaps they don't fall in love with Drake May or Jaden Daniels if Caleb Williams goes one, or maybe not even Caleb Williams, and, and the idea of perhaps trading up or taking him if he fell to number two. And if that's the case, you've st- you're still in the quarterback market. You know, and Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins are the two big non-draftable names out there in this offseason, unless you consider Russell Wilson to be one, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you, and I think – we go into every single year with the quarterbacks at the top, right? They're always the focal point each year, but there's not a guy in this draft. There, each guy, Caleb, Drake, and Jaden, have an elite trait, elite trait or a couple of them, and that's, that's great. You, you want to draft a guy in the top ten that has a multiplicity of elite traits to lead an offense. But Washington right now by no means is a roster to where you plug in a young quarterback like any of those names and you say that, they're going to next year compete for the NFC East title. Or if they were to bring in a Kirk Cousins or a Justin Fields, and I see that roster right now potentially challenging for an NFC East title. There are a lot of pieces on either side of the ball that this Washington Commanders roster and Adam Peters have to adjust both in the draft and in free agency before we ever sit here and say, like we were two years ago, Kevin, when Ron Rivera – picked Carson Wentz as his guy to say this roster is a, quote, quarterback away. They're not at that point right now. 
No, they're not. But they do, as you mentioned, they've got, you know, uh, you know, depending on which salary cap site you use, they've either got the most available cap space or the second most available cap space. They have, you know, five picks, first three rounds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think, you know, what makes sense about it, by the way, I don't think it'll happen. I think they're going to draft a quarterback at number two, and I personally think Kirk's going to stay in Minnesota. I think they'd be nuts not to re-sign him. But um, the fit with Ben Johnson and that offense, look, if you're a fan of Ben Johnson and you want Ben Johnson to be Washington's next head coach, and he certainly is the favorite at this point, then you want him because of what you've watched Detroit be offensively with Jared Goff. And that is being able to run the football, being able to boot and, and, and play action off of being able to run the football with an outstanding offensive line. And, you know, the two quarterbacks in May and Daniels who would be there don't necessarily fit the Goff, you know, style. Kirk does, and he's a better version of Goff, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you as well, Kevin. And I think the big thing, too, with that, is the way in which Ben Johnson didn't put all the pressure on Jared Goff to right. be what he was asked to be in Los Angeles because the way that they built offensively in the draft. They drafted Jameer Gibbs in round one. They drafted Sam Laporta. The way in which they use Amon or St. Brown and Josh Reynolds, both in the shallow to intermediate areas and taking those calculated shot plays. And when I look at a guy like Drake May and what he did under Chip Lindsey at North Carolina to where the pressure was on him consistently to move the football. It was not on yak after opportunities for the guys on the outside or handing it off to a stud like Amari and Hampton, who's a name to know moving forward. It was always on a guy like him to move the offense. So if Drake May is there at two, and most likely he will be, and I think that Washington alongside you, Kevin, does take a quarterback at two, whether it's him or, or Jaden, if Caleb is the pick at one, you bring him in the building with Ben Johnson, be able to work, and not have so much pressure to be that guy on every single snap and play hero ball and use the weapons around you. I do think they add maybe another change of pace running back in this draft. They have to address tight end, get more weapons around him. It it provides you a nice foundation for a young quarterback around him. And of course we know you got to build up the front five because nothing else matters if you don't have guys blocking for you. We're talking to Ryan Fowler from Bleacher Report. So before we get to, the draft and your analysis of the quarterbacks, specifically the two that more that most likely will be there for Washington. What do you have to give up to get Justin Fields? Oh man, I, I think it may it may have a you may have to give him one. I think honestly, it wouldn't be I a number. It wouldn't be the number two overall, Absolutely but you think not. it would be a first rounder? I think. So I, I think it's somewhere I personally would give up a, a future first rounder. I wouldn't give up absolutely not the number two overall pick. Um, maybe a two and maybe a mid, another late round selection uh, for Justin Fields. I think he's someone that even coming out of Ohio State, I thought he was someone that was undervalued in his draft. I thought he should have gone in the top five. In my opinion, I, I liked his game. I still like his game. I Honestly, I do not think he's the issue in Chicago, but if they want to start fresh and go that route, then they're going to go that route. But I don't think for me, if I'm watching Adam Peters and Justin Fields, the route is the route. I'll, I'll, I'll kick the tires a little bit, but I'm not giving up a, a ton of draft capital when I can really start over and get a guy like Drake Mayer, Jane Daniels, potentially at two. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, in just looking at some – I like Justin Fields too, and I do think Chicago is going to move on from him. Do you? I do. I do, yes. I mean, I. it's just – it's one of those things where the fit hasn't been right, and now you're looking at compensation. I think a future first would be the worst case. I think it's probably something less than that maybe when all is said and done. Who knows? All right, let's talk – about Washington at number two. And let's just go with the assumption. Well, no. Uh, would you assume that Caleb Williams is number one overall? So Marvin Harrison Jr. is my top player in the class. And if it was in a perfect world, Kevin, um, I would keep Justin Fields in Chicago in a perfect world, um, not projecting what they're going to do, and, and pair him with DJ Moore and try to build that thing up after drafting a guy like Darnell Wright last year. But I do believe that Caleb Williams is going to be the top overall pick, yes. All right, so let's go Jaden Daniels, Drake May. You're Washington, you're Adam Peters. Tell me about both of these guys and which direction you would go. Yeah, I'll start with Jaden Daniels. I know there's been a lot of buzz, right, with Mel Kuyper releasing his mock uh, a couple days ago. Let's all just calm down just a little bit with Jaden Daniels at two. Um, I've had a ton of conversations with league evaluators over the last few weeks and months, and the opinions vary on Jaden Daniels to where I do expect him to be a top 10 pick, Kevin, but there are some scouts I've talked to that have him in late second round, third round, to where, look, there's some Kyler Murray comparisons. There's some Lamar Jackson comparisons as a runner. I don't like that at all, specifically because Jaden Daniels is more that Robert Pearson III linear track runner. North-South, Lamar Jackson can beat you inside of a phone booth east to west. There's nobody like Lamar Jackson in the game. There's nobody like him in his draft class as far as an athletic perspective. However, Jaden is that roll of the dice for me type of player to where I don't think Washington has that luxury to do that right now at the quarterback position because his vertical ability down the field is beautiful to target guys like Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr., both guys most likely they're going to go on day one in April. But when you move back to the intermediate areas, to the shallow areas, he has average arm talent. And when he tries to consistently pump throws into condensed windows, I need to see more consistency from that. Now, there is nobody in this class as far as a dual-threat athletic ability that Jaden Daniels is. But I don't think if Ben Johnson is the head coach of the Washington Commanders, you want your quarterback as a rookie who, by the way, has to learn to get down at the NFL level or he's going to be out like we saw with Anthony Richardson early this year and Robert Griffin III when he was in Washington get hurt. I don't think Washington is going to have Jaden Daniels come in and be that face of the rushing attack, which I think is what you want to see from a guy like Jaden Daniels. When it comes to Drake May, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier as far as the pressure that was on him, for that Tar Heel offense to where everything for their success point stemmed from him under center. And when I look at him inside a structure, his big six foot four frame, 220 plus pounds, towards pass first, then I'm going to run. And I don't look to look my eyes towards the grass when I run. I keep my eyes up towards the second and third level of the defense, that's what makes it unique for Drake. And is also the arm talent, the fundamental elite arm talent, which you need in today's day and age to where either you're escaping east to west like Drake does or what Caleb Williams does where he escapes north-south, where he'll back up and turn a 20-yard throw into a 30-yard throw or a 30-yard throw into a 40-yard throw and that fundamental arm talent and arm angles to make any throw in the book. And when I look at the surroundings as well in Washington for Drake May to where I know he will come in and be that advanced processor, live inside of structure, inside the tackles, inside the pocket, 
and, and run with Brian Robinson and feed it to Chris Rodriguez Jr. and have more weapons around him. I just – Drake May is the guy for me at two. He is QB2 on my board in this year's draft. And the reason why I say that is because Jaden Daniels, for me, is more of that luxury type of athlete to where you're going to take a huge swing. Either you'll hit or you'll fall on your face. And with Drake May, for me, has more of that high floor, high ceiling combo and immediate production under center for Washington moving forward. So I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, the the big disagreement I would have is I I, I think I watched almost every snap of Jaden Daniels' season this year at LSU, and I don't think at all that he's a straight-line track runner uh, with no vision. Uh, he has, I think, great peripheral vision, great feel, great wiggle, great make-miss, you know, the ability to make people miss. Not to mention, I think his quickness is his – uh, impressive as his speed is. Um, but the other stuff is the concern for me, and that is he's 6'4 and he's 210. You know, Anthony Richardson is Cam Newton, you know, uh, mm-hmm. closer to 250. And he got hurt this year um, multiple yeah. times. Um, but yeah. really good information on May. Now, May is your QB2. Is he your is he your number two overall player after Marvin Harrison or is Caleb Williams? Caleb Williams is my number two overall player in the class right behind Marvin. He is. Okay. Then how would you rank the O-linemen? The O-linemen are fun. They are studs. And, Kevin, I can't wait to get down to Mobile here in just a few days. The one-on-ones in Mobile, um, if anybody else out there is going to be able to be in Mobile, watch that. That's pay-per-view type of stuff. Um, For me, and I'll say this, and and I'm willing to say this because I, I absolutely love this player, Olu Fusano and Joe Walt, I have Joe Walt as my top tackle in the class because I think he's a technician. And I know we love the premier athletes at the position. Um, I think Olu's ceiling is immense. But when I have two similar players at the position, I like to turn on tape if they're able to play the same defense. And I watched the Ohio State tape of Joe Walt and Olu Fusano. And Olu was on his face a little bit too much for me against a guy like JT Tuum allowed. And when I watched right. Joe Walt, it was really easy for him on the perimeter. But Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. Now, you're going to see his name a lot in round one box, but I expect him to go to Mobile and dominate and potentially be a top 15, top 10 pick in this class. I think if I'm a GM and I don't want to spend potentially a top six, seven pick on a Joe Walt or Olufashanu, I don't want to say I'm waiting for a guy like Tyler Guyton, but I think his floor and his ceiling are as immense as anybody in this tackle class. And I've said it a lot on a lot of other shows that he could tie his hands behind his back, Kevin, and win 90% of his reps. And what I mean by that is his feet, his lower half, and his fluidity are unbelievable at his size. This guy's a former tight end H-back recruited at TCU, then transferred to Oklahoma. His fluidity and the athleticism, whether you're in pass pro against a 235-pound Dallas Turner or a 260-pound Chase Young, it's Everything is easy. He walks his hips consistently to the opposing rushers to stymie reps, takes the air out of a rep. It's beautiful stuff technically to watch. So at the top is Joel Olufushano, but as you move back, Tyler Guyton, Talise Fuwaga, I love the footwork and versatility of a guy like Troy Fatone from Washington. But I think personally, Kevin, a guy in this class that just deserves even more attention, can't wait to see him in Mobile, is Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. I think he's sensational. I mean, obviously, you would not suggest that Alt or Fashano or even Guyton, you know, go number two overall. But in a trade back, how far back 
do you have to go and pick up value and then pick up an offensive lineman, one of the three? Yeah, I think you could go back to at least maybe eight or nine. I think as we move forward to this process, I know there are some major concerns with some things with Olu's uh, technicality to where he may slip out of the top ten. Um, I do expect Joel to go there, but if you move back to eight, nine, and you want to pick up more picks and shoot, if you want to live there and maybe take a, a J.J. McCarthy if you like him or if you're sold on the type of Bo Nix type of quarterback and then you want to grab your tackle, it's, there's a lot of avenues for Washington to go to get more fundamental talent in the building that overall is just – it's lacked for a long time, Kevin. Who is your fourth quarterback? My four, it, It's really right between J.J. McCarthy and Bo Nix. I have an appreciation for both. It, it's not Michael Penix from Washington. Um, for Michael, everyone went crazy right after that Texas game and said, Michael Penix is this guy, Mike, Michael Penix is this guy. Well, it's nice to sit back and have Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk and a guy like Patanu and Roger Rosengarten protecting for you. Both guys are going to be down to senior bowl. But when things break down for Michael Penix, he's an all-arm thrower at the end of the day. Now, his arm talent is – a fantastic in the way he just throws with his arm. There is no core involved. There's no legs involved. So the mechanics lack immensely for me. And when things do break down, he's rough. And I see a lot of what I saw at Indiana for Michael Penix. And really, Kevin, his evaluation parallels similar to me for me of what I saw from Hendon Hooker going from Virginia Tech, Tennessee. Now, I don't want to throw it out there and throw those comparisons, but what Hendon was at Tennessee, right, with Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt, Right. And Michael Penix in that vertical offense, there are some similarities there. But for me, it's Caleb, Drake, it's going to be Bo Nix, and then it's J.J. McCarthy as my top four quarterbacks in this By the class. Way, I'm forgetting here. Is Hooker in Detroit? Is that where he is? Yes, he is. Yep. Yep. Okay. And and obviously, after the, the serious injury in the South Carolina game in 22, um, he sat out the whole year. Uh, yeah. It's funny how guys like that that we were so excited about, he was a potential Heisman Trophy you know, winner at one point. That Alabama-Tennessee game was one of the most memorable games of the last four or five years in college football. Yeah. And you know they get drafted off of an injury, not as high as maybe they thought, and it's like they're kind of forgotten. Real quickly, as it relates to the upcoming draft, after Marvin Harrison Jr., who's, who's the next best receiver? Is it Neighbors? I, I personally have Neighbors as my wide receiver, too. And then Romo Dunze is right behind him. I, I think he's outstanding as well. Both those guys I expect to be gone by the 11th or 12th pick in this draft. I think both are fantastic receivers, immediate plug-and-play weapons. And I think they're wherever they go, whatever offense they find themselves in, they have the, the separation ability, the hands, the three-level threat ability to just be immediate producers wherever they go. Is there an outstanding surefire edge pass rusher in this draft? For me, it's Leatu Latu from UCLA. Um, he is my edge one in this class. Um, I am maybe a little higher on a guy like Chop Robinson. I personally have him higher than Jared Verse and Dallas Turner in this class, specifically because of his explosiveness. Um, but Latu is... Everybody wants that twitched-up 235-pound Michael Parsons coming off the edge. Layatu is not that. He is a technically advanced and refined pass rusher. And for people out there that are Carl thinking, well, what's a technique? Right, Karlaftis, the Ryan Kerrigan mold, to where he's not going to be the sexiest player in this draft from an athleticism perspective. But the way in which he can win with power to the outside, to the inside, 
the ability to run the fringe areas in the run game or set the edge, it's fantastic. And I'm also happy, Kevin, that he's going down to the senior bowl against this loaded group of tackles and saying, I'm going to make my case and show the scouts and GMs in attendance that reason why I am edge one in this class and I want to show up and compete. So for me, my home run edge player in this class is Latu from UCLA. All right, 30 seconds, and I have just like these are just needs for Washington. How high will Brock Bowers go? And then who's the next best tight end, and where does he go? Yeah, I think Brock is going to be a top 10, 11 pick in this class. I would not be shocked if the Jets go with him at 10 to add another weapon for Aaron Rodgers is the future of New York. Um, the injury has scared a couple people, but I think he's going to be 100% moving forward in a dynamic athlete, both in line and flex. Um, for me, tight end two in this class is Jatavian, Jatavian Sanders excuse me, from Texas. He'll be out at the Shrine Bowl uh, next week. There was a little bit of a under, you could say it's underproduced at Texas because of the weapons around him. But, Kevin, as you know, there's only one ball to go around. So I think his production at the next level is going to increase. And then really, Kevin, behind them, there's a couple guys I'm really pumped up to see at the Senior Bowl. And that's Ben Sinnott from Kansas State, as versatile as you could look for in the class. Play the Y, play the F, play H back. He wore number 34 at Kansas State. He's going to wear number 80 down at the Senior Bowl because Jim Maggie's like, look, we got to get this guy looking like a tight end. People think he's a darn running back. But it's him and Jaheim Bell from Florida State, South Carolina transfer, to where you need mismatch nightmares at the position. And Washington's best tight end, at the, from an athleticism perspective, heading into this year was Armani Rodgers. And the Achilles yeah. injury was, un, it was unfortunate. And, and I yeah. wish him the best for Armani in his future. But I think Jaheim Bell, later portions of maybe middle of day two, later portions of day two to see how we see how an offense projects him. But you need mismatched nightmares at the position. And Logan Thomas, Cole Turner, John Bates, I appreciate you guys showing up wearing a uniform, but you got to have mismatches at the position. And two of those guys in my focus are Senate and, and Jaheim Bell. All right, this was great, and I really appreciate it. You'll be at the Senior Bowl. I definitely would love to have you back on in a few weeks because, you know – I mean, we didn't even touch on the corners, and there are probably four or five of those that are projected first-rounders, and there's probably a need at corner uh, as well. Um, There's probably a need everywhere on this roster. Um, Thanks for doing this, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on, Kevin. We'll talk soon. Ryan Fowler, Bleacher Report, Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team980.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. 
The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.